Welcome to the Custom Apparel Startups Podcast, your best source for information, news, tips, and tricks to get you off the ground running and earn success with your custom apparel decorating business. So get ready to soak up some knowledge. Now, here are your hosts, Mark and Mark. Hey everyone, and welcome to episode 111 of the Custom Apparel Startups Podcast. My name is Mark Stevenson from Coldesi, and this is Mark Bolitnikoff from Contract DTG. And First Amendment Tees. And First Amendment Tees. And my custom t-shirt. Yes, okay. <laughs> so, uh, Mark, if you, if you don't know Mark, you should really go back and listen to episode 86, where um, he did a, uh, a thing for us on, uh, what was it? It was what success looks like in DTG printing. Um, and I'm going to ask Mark uh, to share his story again with us in just a minute. But um, you're not seeing Mark Vila today because we figured this time two Marks were enough. Um, and that last time we had three, it just overloaded the, uh, the podcast first. So we're not going to do that again. Um, so Mark, why don't you tell us a little bit about your business and how you got here? Okay. I've uh, been a long time Cold SE customer, like 10 years. Yeah. Uh, we started out with uh, one DTG machine, and then we slowly added uh, machinery after that. We also uh, we were just a funny T-shirt website, and then we became a local store, and we became a contract printer with the contract DTG, and then we have a online custom T-shirt designer site that where you can buy custom apparel. So we branched out into several areas, and um, yeah, so moving forward and. You know, we pull a lot of different business from a lot of different buckets. Yeah, uh, I'll tell you, like it always gets a lot of, because Mark and a couple of his crew are on the Custom Apparel Startups Facebook group. And uh, last week, I think you 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 mentioned that you had just printed a thousand DTG shirts for yeah. an order. Yeah, so okay. it's a yeah, thousand um, full color digital front picture, um, a five color screen print back that we're actually wrapping up uh, in the next day or so. Um, and then we have another thousand shirt DTG order, which is another full color DTG print on the front. And we have two more thousand shirt orders coming, but yeah, we've done wow. some large, it, everyone thinks that DTG is just for one, two yeah. shirts. It's, we have a lot of customers that come to us with large volume. I mean, we did a 3,000 shirt order. Crazy. So, so, you know, and this is like, I fall into this habit too. Because yeah. when, we, when we talk about it, so, I mean, this is a little off topic, but while we're talking about this, how do you make that decision on whether or not to do a DTG print? Because you've, um, you've got a whole screen print set up too. Correct. Right, yeah. that's bread and butter as yeah. well. So yeah. how do you make that decision? You got a five color on the back and DTG on the front? Well, it all depends on like the customer's needs. Like most of these, you know, DTG, we actually, we're quoting right now a 10,000 DTG full color front and a, uh, you know, 10,000 back they want. Okay. So, um, that's terrifying. Yeah. Yeah. That's a lot of, it's a lot of printing. It's a lot of equipment, you know, that needs to be moving and all in sync and, and, uh, and, you know, and in pre-treating areas and products. So but yeah. it's, it's a lot of it is the customer need. They, they specifically want DTG because it's softer feel. It's, it will provide a better full color, you know, realistic photo quality print versus screen, you know, because we've even tried to quote some of these screen print jobs, uh, you know, as screen print. Yeah. You know, because um, we have, you know, 10 color auto. So it's, but they, 
they they want, want the, the DTG. DTG so, yeah. Um, so it's it's obviously it's a higher cost, you know, in print print cost per unit, but. Um, the customer typically dictates what they want, you know, yeah. and, and we try to steer them into screen or this, but it seems like a lot of customers, they, they know, now they know about DTG and direct garment printing and they understand what the benefits are yeah. versus, you know, and they're also aware of that, you know, yeah, it might not last as long as a screen print or vinyl, but they're very aware of the of the end quality that they're getting for the print and so, the gradients and the fades and the, and, and you know. you're 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 charging a little bit more for the DTG or are you giving them the same price? No, we're charging more for the DTG. So so that's just that's just a lesson for all of you out there when you think that you can't compete with the screen printer down the street. Yeah. You know, I mean, Mark is getting more money on a thousand piece order. Right, people are yeah. not like necessarily going for the lowest dollar amount. No, no, they're, you know, they're coming to us because they they're looking at the quality of the print, you know. <clears throat> so it's just like buying cars. You can buy a cheap car, you can buy a really expensive car, but in the end, what's the result? You know, if you buy a Mercedes versus a Kia, you understand the quality, the workmanship, you know, or the performance or the luxury. Item. Yeah. So, but yeah, customers are paying more for a specific service just because that's what they want. Cool. And, and we've even tried to downsell them and, you know, like, hey, <clears throat> we can do this for, you know, as a, as a six color, you know, you know, full color yeah. process. And they're, no, no, we want DTG. Awesome. Okay. That's great news. Um, so how many DTG printers do you have? Um, currently we are at 10. You're at 10. Yeah. Okay. And pre-treat machines? Uh, we have two pre-treat machines. Okay. Two pre-treat areas. We, we okay. do it separately. Yeah. So we have two independently uh, pre-treat areas that run pretty much all day. Yeah. You're always pre-treating. Yeah. Always. Okay. Always. Because those, yeah, those guys are keeping, you know, 10 machines busy at, at any given time. Yeah. And you've got a mix of M2s and Vipers uh, and M2s, HM1s. 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 Yeah. Yeah. So those are, those are 10 years old. Those, yeah. those are at least yeah, 10 years old. Yeah. And they're, they're just, they're, they're done. They're, you know, they're, there's issues every day. And yeah. It's one of those things we need to move on from that. So, so that's one of the reasons that I want that, that I'm, I'm glad you're here today is because the reason that you're in town is because you've been a customer for us for a long time and you, um, you evaluate equipment. Right, so you you evaluate some of our stuff. You evaluate inks and pre-treats and yep. and printers and all that stuff. And you're here to pick up a top secret Correct. device, Correct. which we won't even say no. what kind of device it was, no. even though you really want to. Uh, the uh, so so that's why you're here, and that kind of brings up um, the topic that I wanted to get you in front of these folks for, and that is to talk about replacing equipment and upgrading equipment. Correct. Say okay, so. So how do you know, because you've got the HM1s, like how do you make that decision when it's time to replace a piece of equipment? Let's say with the same, with the same piece. Like how do you know when something is ready to get swapped out? You, you, there's a lot, of, lot that goes into it, evaluation of, you know, is how efficient is this machine? How much, you know, unattended time versus attended time, meaning an operator running that machine versus this machine. You know, because like say for instance an HM1, you know, which is like he said, ten year old technology versus a uh, an M2, you know, which is a dual platen setup. Same thing. They're both bulking systems. They're using almost the same exact print head. You know, the speeds are almost the same. Mm -hmm. uh, 
but it's one of those things is how, you know, uh, there's, a, there's a lot. You know, the M2 is a bigger piece of equipment, takes up more floor space, and uh, H1s are a little bit more compact, but they need a little bit more time, and, you know, and, and the rips are different, and so there's a lot that goes into it. We look at, you know, how efficient is the machinery, um, how much are we spending on maintenance and repairs, um, how, how often is that machine down versus... You know, a newer piece of equipment because our HM, HM1s are typically down more than obviously our M2s. Yeah. Um, you know, because the M2 is such a solid machine and it's just it's been such a great performer. We've had you know we have one that's been one of the first in the first batch probably yeah. six seven years ago at yeah. least. You know, so it's there's a lot that goes into it. Is you have to evaluate is the efficiency is you know the efficiency of repairs, the efficiency of keeping it running, the efficiency of print time yeah. and you know so so when you're so i mean if you are if you take a look in your shop is it like it, do you keep track of this stuff or is it just that it gets to that point where you know the damn thing is down one too many times we do so for all of our machines we actually keep a maintenance log so it has a date and a uh, you know who performed the maintenance um, you know, what the repair was, uh, you know, who the operator that had swapped out, which is typically me. Yeah, okay. Um, but, you know, we do keep a maintenance log, and we know how long a printhead should last, how long a capping station should last. You know, and if we... And if, and if we look at that maintenance log and we look at one operator is not doing the maintenance as much as another operator and, you know, his print head lasts six, set, six months to a year versus this guy is, you know, uh, two to two and a half years, like yeah. on an M2, the head should last, then we know that, that he's not doing his, he's not performing his daily duties, his job, his maintenance, you know. Gotcha. So... Yeah. So so you'll look at the logs and see that this this machine is just it's dying. Correct. Yes. Yeah. This one I'm over here every three months. Yeah. You know, or this one is as a stellar. I haven't touched it in two years. Yeah. You got know? it. How about like uh, parts availability? Do you ever run into that? Uh, Maybe, we, not necessarily just with DTG, but with anything. Yeah, we do, and that's something that we look at is the parts availability in the supply chain, whether it's a printhead, whether it's a capping station, whether it's you know, ribbon cable or, you know, some kind of sensor or something like that. So yeah. having um, someone like Cold SC that for our equipment that we have been able to come to and get that supply chain item to keep that piece of equipment running is very, you know, is, is very, it's, it's very advantageous. Yeah, I appreciate that. So they're, they're, it's tough for us because there are some pieces of equipment like embroidery machines mostly in the past where, uh, you know, at one point, the Panagrams business, which became part of Cold SE, sold Toyota embroidery machines, which were great. Yeah. Then they went out of business. And then SWF embroidery machines, and they had some financial issues, so we weren't able to get parts for them. And that's that's a real concern when, when I talk to people that are looking at buying used equipment. Absolutely. You know, it's, you know you're going to get this machine that may be working fine now, but... Um, what are you going to do if you need to replace a head or, you know, any yeah. significant part? You're yeah. pretty much done. And we base that on not only the, the equipment that we've purchased from Cold Essie, but other, you know, manufacturers in other arenas. We've done the same thing. Is what's the parts availability? How fast can I get it? How close am I to it? You know, if I need something, because I, I mean, I look at everything from a 30,000 foot view yeah. versus, you know, um, someone that maybe is just a little local store that, you know, maybe they're at a thousand foot view and they're just worried about, you know, well, I can, as long as I can have it here within two weeks, 
two weeks will cripple me. So I can't have those issues. Yeah. So I look at something, you know, from a lot larger scale because of the amount of equipment, the amount of people that I have, you know, if I have five pieces of equipment down because I'm waiting on something coming from Korea or wherever, like, yeah. and then I have, you know, five employees standing around and I'm paying X, Y, Z, and it's just, uh, that's not a yeah. good thing for business. So do you keep, like, uh, do you keep extra parts on hand? Yeah, absolutely. You, you keep print heads absolutely. in stock and capping absolutely. stations on top? At, at minimum, you know, two print heads in stock at all times. Yeah. Ribbon cables, uh, you know, anything. Yeah, ink. I keep yeah. gallons of ink and pre-treat. And, you know, I probably at any given time have minimum 20 gallons of pre-treat. Um, you know, ink chips for the yeah. ones and capping stations and, yeah. you know, e everything. Like, I have to have that stuff ready to go and ready for repair. And each, you know, we even set up all of our machines and each machine has, is kitted with their own tools for maintenance. Whether it's you know screwdrivers and flatheads and picks and so so you don't have somebody running across the shop looking for a Phillips head. Absolutely. Yeah. Why? Why would yeah. you know screwdrivers are you know twenty bucks. That's for a great. Set. Buy a good That's screwdriver. Great. Have it there. Have it set up. You know because again, you have at my foot. You know at my scope of things. You know and it does add up. Is at you know when you have two or three people maybe not as productive as they should be or they're looking for something. You know that is multiplied by, you know, 13, 14 employees that I have that are walking around. If they're wasting 10 minutes a day. Yeah, 10 yeah. minutes. If you have an employee that wastes 10 minutes a day, 10 minutes a day times my 14 people is, is worse than, you know, the mom and pop shop. Yeah, yeah. Too. But at the end of the day, you still have to be efficient. And to me, 10 minutes means a lot. I mean, it's it's a ton. Yeah, and that, and that parts thing, keeping in stock, and it's kind of a tangent here, but... Um, it's just like supplies, and if you'll notice, like when a when a bigger business is running well, we never get those orders to have pre-treat or white ink overnighted. You know, which is a huge a huge waste of money. Yeah. It's just you know, and the same thing even goes for the more expensive pieces. Like you know, we sell an emergency kit for the um, for the M2, you know, which includes a printhead. Yeah. You know, like. So the reason that you get that is because when your print head goes, you know, which eventually they all wear out, um, then you're closed until you get a new one. Yeah. That, that's really it. It's, it's like a light switch. You yeah. may as well unplug it and go home. You know, so if it's worth it to not be closed for a day or two days or over a weekend, then um, that's definitely something to look at. So when it's time to replace a, a equipment, it's kind of like the equipment is telling you. Absolutely. Yeah, it'll it'll tell you oh, because it's speaking to you. Yeah, because yeah. the the that line gets crossed where you know you're you're starting to realize that it's it's not not holding its weight. Um, the next question that um, that somebody had asked me to ask you actually is, how do you know when it's time to change model types, or you know you're not changing equipment? I mean, obviously you have the HM1. Yeah. So when the next version of the printer came out, you didn't get rid of the HM1 no. and get the new one. No. Um, we, we why, just, why not and why would you do that? Well, the HM1 was just such a solid machine. I mean, it's it still is a solid machine. It's mm -hmm. just it's now they're just breaking down into the point of, you know, I at one point I had 10 HM1s. Yeah. Know? Um, and, uh, and, and they still print good because they're still using a version of that DX5 head, so they, they print good. But, you know, 
what we do is even with new employees, so we evaluate them on how they're working. And typically, you know, a, a new employee starts on an older piece of equipment. But if that employee is a little bit more tech savvy, a little bit more fat, you know, a little faster, we'll put them on, say, an M2 and, and get a little bit more out of them. Or I won't even train them. Like a couple of my newer employees, I, I won't even, I really haven't even trained them on the HM1s because we're phasing that out, you know. Right. And, and moving to the next generation of equipment, which is important. So it's definitely one of those things you have to, you have to look at uh, as far as, you know, you have to forecast the future of your business and where your work is. So you, you mentioned in, in screen printing that you've got, a, uh, that you've got a, an automatic. Correct. Right? So, um, so and a manual. And a manual. So, yeah. so, so you didn't have, did you have two manuals? And you chucked one to replace it with the automatic? Correct. Okay. Yeah, we started out with one manual, and then we were like, hey, let's get two more manuals. And, and then we got to the point where it was just we, we could only, you know, we could only uh, be so efficient on certain things. Yeah. So it, it became that point where we, we started getting more workload, and we had more employees, and, and, and it was one of those things quality comes into play so with an auto you get a lot more quality with an auto so we we had to move to that and then we just phased out you know one of our manuals but yeah. you, you have to have a manual you know so so that was a, a circumstance where like you were growing to a point where you had working pieces of equipment yeah they weren't busted they were still no. good but you made the decision because you were the efficiency yeah you're able to do a higher volume yeah and so did you do that did you like do some hard math with that or did you did you just kind of look at it and say well i mean this one's twice as fast you know it's going to be better it was a no-brainer yeah okay yeah, it was, it was okay. a no-brainer it was like you look at first of all you can't in in this industry you you have to buy the equipment to quote the job um it's not like other industries where you know you can you can sub things out in this industry but other other industries it's a little bit more easier to sub out things or outsource or something like that um in this industry for me at least it seems like you can't quote the work unless you have the equipment yeah you can't even play in that arena and um I and mean, we offer contract services to a lot of other people and and they you know they we they love our pricing they love our product but at the end of the day if they have so much demand for that service they are gonna buy that equipment or they're gonna add another machine or yep. you know or they're gonna add that service to their you know to their shop so. yeah okay so we were talking about the the idea that you had replaced the screen printing system um, even though it wasn't busted, you know, it was just time. There was a superior piece of technology that would increase your speed and capabilities. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, cool. So, so we know when you would consider replacing a piece of equipment, and it looks like you would change model types if it was a speed or efficiency, et cetera. So, but you've got to have enough business coming in. Correct. Right? Yeah. So, so it's not just you wake up one day. Like I had a, a conversation on Facebook with one of our um, DTG printer owners who was uh, asking me about changing the ink, you know, to another brand of ink. We, we, that's <clears throat> one of the number one things we hear. What ink do you use? And I'm like, I use the same ink I've been using for the last 10 years. Like, yeah. I use the, you know, the DuPont genuine, genuine. Yeah, it's, genuine and, DTG. And people are like, really? Like, you know, and they, they question it like I'm, like I'm nuts or something, but we've always had good results with it and it's yeah. always worked. 
you know, but we just had a person, you know, ask us last week. They were like, are you serious? And I'm like, yeah, yeah took pictures of it. Same took pictures of our cabinet, <laughs> like, this is what we use, you know. It's like, you know, maybe your process isn't right, or maybe yeah. you're doing something wrong, but you should have great results with it. Well, and, and what, what, bring, what reminds me of that is that this is a situation where, you know, the, like the owner just had the impression that they could do better. Yeah. So there wasn't any math involved, like you just yeah. you just talked about. Wasn't any math involved. They weren't getting any customer feedback that they weren't happy with the prints. It's just that this customer got the impression that they might be able to do better, you know, if they switched ink, even though there are all these repercussions. Yeah. Like you know, um, supply chain. Uh, you know, diminished support capabilities. Yeah, yeah. There's a lot of things, and don't get me wrong. I have tried. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've I've done it. You know, I've and if you're not trying, then you won't be successful. Right. But you know, at the end of the day, you have to weigh out the pros and cons. You know, there is cheaper ink, but yep. is it going to give me the same results? Well, plus, I mean, you've you've actually labbed out some inks for us in the past that you decided not to use. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And and yeah. that that's that's a big influence on our decisions, too, is when our customers tell us something's not working or not great and, yeah. you know, things like that. That's so I like working with you guys because you guys actually listen. There you go. I'll always remember the red label on the pre-treat is because of you. Um, because you had a guy that put in... Um, the pre treat instead of white ink. ink. Yeah, that was great. The labels were those almost They were so close. Identically. They were so close. All right. So, um, how do you know? We talked about replacing equipment and we talked about um, changing model types, et cetera. Let's say that you're looking at a piece of new equipment, because I know that, especially in the DTG world, that you've had the opportunity, like, like people send you printers to look at. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So, people send me printers for free. Yeah. Try. So no, um, you you can't do that with cold SE. By the way, if you're filling out the email form right now, <laughs> that's not on the table. But um, so how do you? So what do you do? Like how do you evaluate a new piece of equipment? Like let's say somebody didn't send you one for free, but you're looking into one. Mm -hmm. How do you evaluate whether it's something that you're going to bring into your shop? I went to I went to shops and you know that were you know approved print houses for certain brands of. Direct garment printing equipment. Right. I've gone. I've gotten free printers to try, you know, for ninety days to yep. see how they are. Um, there's a lot that goes into that evaluation. Is because you know, it, not only is there loyalty that I have to where I, I have been. You know, it's like they always say the grass. You know, the grass, grass is off the screen, right? Right. The it's like I have lived that in many aspects of my life, many times over. So yeah. I'm very critical if I'm going to switch something. So. You know, because if I'm going to switch a piece of equipment, then I know my whole supply chain of parts, repairs, service, availability, everything's going to change. So, yeah. um, you know, but if, if something performs truly better than what I have, then what is the cost? What is the cost of the ink? What is the cost of the, the consumable, you know, uh, replacement parts? What is the cost of the waste? What is the cost of, there's a lot of, uh, you know, other machines that we have tried. I don't want to name any names, but a lot of the... It's pretty much all the big brands. Yeah, the big yeah, brands. It's yeah, it's really pretty yeah. much all the big and, brands. And there's a lot of waste that goes into those machines that you, you know, not only the inks cost more, um, but I don't think they perform as well. Yeah. And they're going to charge me three times more for that ink. So yeah. not only am I going to pay three times more for it, I'm throwing away 25% of it. So that increase, you know, um, but, you know, also... 
what does the machine cost? What is the, you know, what was this machine intended for? How fast is it? How easy is it to set up and, and, and actually send a print into RIP and export it to the machine? Um, how easy is it for me to pull that same print file back up and run it again maybe a month later, two months later? Oh, yeah. Um, you know, the repairs. Can I repair it? Uh, you know, do I have to have someone come to repair it? And if so, am I number 1,000 on that repair list or am I number 20 or is there someone close or, you know, gotcha. or, or do I have a company that can walk me through it? Or are they going to allow me to touch it, you know? Um, oh, yeah. So, yeah, wh how long the warranty is, I mean, which to me really a warranty doesn't mean much, but, you know, in most industries, you know, um, so it's, it's one of those things. Are they going to support me? Are they going to walk me through it? Um, what's their YouTube channel like? Do they have support videos and training videos and tips and tricks? Yeah. Um, you know, another thing I look at too is I look in the forums and on Facebook groups and, and, and I look at how many people own this machine versus how many people are complaining about it. So, because there's a lot of people that complain about every piece of equipment out there. Yeah. And there's, and you know, everyone that has a keyboard feels that they need to be heard for some reason. I don't understand it, but, yeah. you know, and uh, when I was evaluating, you know, Coldessi at first with the machinery, I was, I have a manufacturing background, so I looked at how was the machine built and what was the training like, you know, was there no training, was it, was it included, wasn't included, you know, what was the support, can I call in and know that I'm going to get a call probably that day, if not, you know, right. I mean, now I'm pretty resourceful, I rarely call in, yeah. but it's one of those things like, you know, for most new users, my evaluation and theirs is probably a little bit different, and I think being with someone that has a great support channel, you know, YouTube and tech support on the, over the phone or users that are somewhat close to you. Um, I think that's, I think that's a huge importance. So, know? so do you, do you start with the equipment first and figure out if that is worth looking into? Do you start with a, yes. a manufacturer distributor first? first? You look at the equipment yeah, first. First thing I look at is I look at the equipment. How is it built? You know, I want to dissect it. I want to look at it. How easy is it to repair? You know, and then I'm going to start digging into what what are my costs to operate this machine on a daily basis, whether it's ink cost, you know, repair cost, um, downtime, uh, you know, replacement parts, uh, consumables that are you know some of the some of the brands sell. Yeah. Um, you know, we have to re, you know put this ink cartridge in for for a cleaning solution. Yeah, yeah. You got to replace this capping station, and you got to do this and. You know, so there's a lot of those consumable costs that they don't really share with you up front, but they're they're huge for someone like me that has 10 machines. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Am I going to, because that cost just became times 10 or, you know, hopefully by the end of the year, that cost will be 15 for me because, I mean, we're, we're expanding into, you know, expanding at a rapid rate that I need to, I need to evaluate all of those costs and, and. And then, but again, the first thing that I look at is the machine, is the right. quality of the print. What is it producing? Is it as soft a print? Is it as fast as my machine? Is it the quality? Is the DPI better or yeah. worse? Is it, uh, you know, how does the shirt smell after it's printed? Oh, because good one. I, because I do a lot of retail and, um, you know, I, a lot of my products go directly into a storefront 
or a boutique or a you know or a shop or a some kind of retail setting so i need to make sure that that thing doesn't smell um that is know. a great that's a great you know what you know what i've got a i've got an off-track story to tell you um, we evaluate heat presses all the time. We're always looking for new technology and things mm -hmm. like that. And we've returned two because they smell like fish. Hmm. I'm, I, I, don't, I don't know why. I don't know why, but we would, we would be using them and we walk around the office and say, is somebody cooking fish today? He says, no, it's Ooh. the new heat press. So that's a deal breaker. Okay, so um, for we, when you look at the equipment first, you're looking at for a printer, you're looking at the quality of the print. Yeah. You're looking at how fast it is and what's, what that's going to make a difference in your business. Yeah, yeah. Because if the print quality isn't there, it doesn't matter how fast it is. It doesn't is. matter because I have to live up to a certain standard with my customers. Yeah. I can't, I have, and I tell people to call all the time, say, hey, what do you think about this? What do you, you know? And, and I tell them every day, like, I have to offer higher quality than my competitor. So if the piece of equipment that I'm using prints better than a competitor down the street yeah. plus you know across the United States wherever they're at if my machine prints better than theirs then I'm already I already have an advantage yeah. so if my inks are softer and they last longer I already have an advantage yeah so but then you have to weigh out obviously the costs and everything like that so I yeah mean, because it because if it costs you eight bucks to print a shirt it doesn't matter how pretty it is or how fast it, it doesn't is. matter it doesn't right. matter. Yeah. and if you and if you can't repair it or get it repaired then nothing else matters too yep. so it really does now cost of operation you said the um, <clears throat> you know all of the consumables that are not on the front page of a DTG printers website yeah or any products website yeah. right all of that stuff um, and you look at workflow? Uh, I do look at workflow. How much, <clears throat> how much space is this machine going to take up? You know, because there are some machines out there that are just massive. Um, so, you know, how many, how many heat presses am I going to need with this shirt? You know, if mm -hmm. we, we're, we're toying with the idea of going to a oven system. So, yeah. you know, again, how would I set this machine up? How many of these machines can I fit in, in a said given space? Because a lot of people think about, you know, a piece of equipment and this and that. But at the end of the day, you're, you pay in a retail setting or wherever you're at, you are paying for floor space. Yeah. And floor space is a huge commodity. So, um, so you need to understand that you take up a, a smaller footprint, you can fit more machines in. If you have a bigger machine, it's going to cost you more. So, um, you know, but yeah, it, walls and pillars and electrical, what's the requirements of the machine? A lot of that goes into planning a floor setup. So yeah. we've moved four, you know, three times now. <laughs> And every time we've done a site evaluation as far as where we're moving, what's the electric like? You know, what's the floor plan? Can we fit our machines in? Can we fit them out the door? Can we, can we fit bigger equipment in if we have to? So, yeah, that's a huge thing is planning, planning to move is a six-month process for us. Because we need to make sure we have the electric, the floor space. Yeah, is yeah, the yeah. flow going to be better? Is it you know our whole shop is set up with a flow? It's an in and it comes right back out. So have you have you ever changed or bought different equipment based on your floor plan? Um, no. Okay. It's no that does that doesn't. It's interesting. Yeah. Because I because I know there's a difference. You know, some of our printers you load in the front and you can program it to take it out the back. The Viper was the a, Viper was a horrible example. That <laughs> thing, that yeah, we had Vipers and they yeah. they took up so much floor space, you know, floor space. It was it was ridiculous. Yeah, so so it's not just the size of the machine itself; yeah. it's the workflow space that you need around it, yeah. which works in some places and not in others. Wow. All right, so 
Um, the equipment itself, the cost of operation, that includes all the maintenance supplies and, and how often you have to maintain it, personnel yeah. time, and then the kind of support that you're gonna get with it. Includes yeah. parts availability, availability of local or regional support, you know, or the ability to get somebody on the phone right away. Yeah, we've looked at some stuff and um, and a couple of the newer brands of machines out there, they actually have, you know, humidity controls. And if you're not within a certain humidity spec, it yeah. dumps ink. It's just dumping ink out. Wow. It wants oh, to... yeah, I read something about that on the forums. Yeah, that's real. Okay. That's a real thing. And that's, that's something, like, you can't even control sometimes, you know, I mean, depending on where you're located. Like, sometimes I live in the Northeast, and it gets really dry. It gets really cold and really dry. Yeah. And we're in a somewhat temperature-controlled building as much as possible. But there are times when it's, like, super dry. And... If I was using another said brand, it would just dump it right out. Jeez. And I'd just be paying for all that waste. And it's just, there's just, I can't. Yeah, it's and I know there's some equipment that actually won't allow you to break open the printer and do anything yourself. Uh-huh. So you'll void the warranty. Void the warranty as soon as you touch okay. it. Yeah. And, and, and a lot of those times, again, where are you at on the repair queue? If you're 50 and you have a piece of equipment that's something so small that you could do it. Yeah. You know, so ease of working on a machine is, is, is huge for me. Okay. But yeah, I can't wait a week or, hey, we're a little busy this week. Now you're going to be a week and a half. Like, I, that's not an option for me. Yeah, so, and, and uh, I'm glad that we um, get the opportunity to work with you on evaluating some of our new products because, um, as you guys can see, you know, by the time we're done... You know, having a few people take a look at it. Generally, what Coldesi does is, uh, you know, in the DTG world in particular, you know, the DTG Digital, the manufacturer of the M2, is located in Australia, and they sell in Europe and they sell in Asia and all over the world. Um, historically, Coldesi has never been the first one to to start selling one of those products. Normally, what we'll do is we'll let it cook in Europe for a year. Yeah, you know, to see what the to see if there are any inherent issues after they get out into the field, and um, I remember seeing the M2 way before, and, and I, but I knew I knew that I needed it. The multi platen setup. Yeah, yeah. I was like, I need that. When is it coming? I was bugging for months and it, months. It's the same, and it was the same thing with the Viper Two. And yeah. you know, it'll be. It's the way we handle other products as well. We've actually got you know, um, two or three different pieces of equipment that are in the field being tested right now in different categories that are available to sit for sale for in other places that we won't let you guys at until we're, you know, reasonably sure that it's going to be a good piece of equipment for yeah. you. So um, I've got your uh, things. What I'm going to do is I'm going to kind of write all this stuff down for you guys that are listening at home and uh, map out the three steps that Mark had talked about and how he evaluates equipment. We'll talk about um, when it's time to replace, how you know to change model types, and how you um, evaluate new equipment. We'll, uh, we'll put your words of wisdom down. And then, if the equipment that you're picking up today from us turns out to be a winner, then um, you'll know that it has been through this process. Yeah, it'll be proven. And, that'll, and then it'll be a good, a good piece of equipment that we'll be proud to sell. Yeah, I'm not going to use something if, it's, if it doesn't work. It's just, it is what it is, you know? No pressure. Yeah, no pressure. <laughs> it's got to live up to it. But yeah, it's, uh, there's, I think there's some very good things to come. Cool. Okay, guys, thanks for listening. This has been Mark Stevenson from Coldessi and Mark Boletnikoff from Contract 
dtg.com. Yeah. My custom t-shirt and first Fat tees. <clears throat> you guys have a good business. Thank you. Woo! <laughs>